slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the summer and later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You're still going to miss out on some things that we think are pretty important about going to church, like being in community and eating food together, sharing our sacraments, like communion, baptism, all that stuff. But... We will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts, perfect preachers, or homiletical harbingers of some brand new age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started the podcast, so if you're away from home or working, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas bouncing around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday, and whatever day it is, we hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we encourage you to use your open mind to think good thoughts. Use your own experience and reason to sort through what we're saying. Talk to your own people about what you think. Uh, All we ask is that you would, as Susan says, keep an open heart and an open mind. And our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Chris, we are on the, the downhill slide of our sermon series. Yes, we're working through Richard Rohr's Breathing Underwater, Spirituality and the 12 Steps. What has Christianity taught the recovery movement and what can the recovery movement teach back to us? Amen. Um, Amen. How do how do recovery and salvation correlate? Correlate. And it's pretty strong correlation. Pretty strong correlation. So we're on step nine, um, which is make dr- direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Right. So we'll blast through the first eight steps real quick. Right. So that you understand what nine is actually referring to. Right. So the so the first three steps are really about ad, sort of admitting that you have a problem be, mm-hmm. between yourself and between God. Right. right. So uh, step one, admitted that we were powerless against our addiction and our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And step three, we made a decision to trust God, to turn our lives and our will over to God as we understood God. So the first three steps are really about saying, okay, okay, let's let's do this. Let's do this. And then the next three steps are really about figuring out what the work is that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So it's to take a, a look at ourselves and our actions, knowing that God loves us, whatever we find, so mm-hmm. that we can actually do that deep work and, and poke at those places that might be painful or, or hurting. And then admit to God ourselves and another human being the exact nature of those wrongs mm-hmm. and then to do that without masks or excuses because you and I both know that we're really good at that we're good at self-justification y'all right? and then step six would be to work on that those blockages and those excuses and resistances until we're ready to have God remove it all Right. So it's sort of make ourselves open right. and available. So then we get into the, these three steps that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks on the podcast and in our churches. Step seven, we humbly ask God to do this work in us. In other words, God does not force nope. anything on us. We have to be ready and willing and we have to ask. Right. And that God is seeking a partnership with us, not mm-hmm. a dictatorship. Right. And so then after that, after we worked on that kind of vertical line between us and God, then we realized that Faith is not just about that vertical line. That faith is also about how we relate to the people around us. And so step eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing. We didn't rush right into it, but we became willing. We became more 
compassionate, more sensitive. We let our hearts soften up a little bit so that we could make sincere amends to them. Then we get to today, step nine. Step nine. We make those direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Now, I joked with my congregation that this is like the most famous step because this is the one you see on television where the person comes to another person and has to admit what they did wrong and and try and and make it better. Mm -hmm. The amends thing is really important to really think about how do you actually make amends. Yeah. And to recognize even going in that there are some things that you can't amend. Right. They're unamendable. Well, and every relationship has two people in it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is... For example, an example of injuring others if you are trying to force a reconciliation on somebody who doesn't want one. Right. It's okay. You know, like sometimes there are natural consequences of our actions. We can be forgiven and still not return to how things were before. In fact, it's probably usually better not to slip back into old patterns because we might do that injury thing again. And so we have to kind of grow out of that a little bit. But making direct amends is... One of the things that we have to do just to own our stuff to other people and mm-hmm. to recognize that our stuff doesn't just affect us, yes. right? Our stuff affects other people too. In Western religion, this is called wisdom, right? To know that you don't know it all, to know that you need to work on some things. In Eastern religion, it's called skillful means. Yeah. And and I really like that. I the, the, the notion of turning that from like wisdom being something that we um seems a little ephemeral yeah yeah yeah. or like own Uh do you know what i mean versus a a tool yes right something that you can develop and not just because you've made a bunch of mistakes but also because you can work on this Right, right right that you can develop the skill of it and i thought richard Rohr's conversation about how that's exactly what Jesus was trying to do exactly. was really powerful. Jesus teaches us how to be human. Right. Jesus is not particularly interested in his own divinity. He doesn't seem to be making a point out of that. Christians we sometimes get a little focused on the divinity of Christ until we think that he was some kind of holy specter that didn't really ever, you know, curse or poop. But Jesus right. was human. Jesus was trying to teach us not how to be angels, not how to be God, but how to be human. human. Right. Well, and so over and over again, what he says is not worship me. He says, follow me. Do these things. I'm teaching you these skillful means. Right. So that you can repair relationships because you are human and you are going to make mistakes and you are going to fall down from time to time. Right. So here's how you do this. Yeah. And if you're thinking, oh, wait, how did he do that? Think about, you know, some of his one-liners and think of his parables and think of his interactions with people. And the Sermon on the Mount, there's three chapters right there. It's right. it's a an intensive course in right. how to be human. Right. And then... And then you can we, go back and hear our sermon series on the Sermon awesome. on the Mount if you want. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, and then I think of like the, the, the people that he interacts with, the woman at the well and Zacchaeus and the, the rich man and the little children and the, and the woman caught in adultery and those, all the people he healed and the ways in which he, that wasn't done like a lightning bolt, right? None of that was. All of that was done in human relationship and human connection. He spoke with the people he healed. He connected with those who came from a variety of places. He didn't let that stuff, that societal stuff, stand in the way of right relationship. Yeah. So what I spent some time talking to my congregation about was what is a structure that we can use to do this well? 
one of the structures that we have at our disposal because of a guy named Rosenberg is nonviolent communication. And this is used in uh, negotiating peace around the world. It's used in one-on-one relationships. It's being taught in classes to students. When my friend was teaching fifth grade, if one of the students did something that mm. you know was distracting for all the other students or that, that hurt another student, they would have these fishbowl conversations where they would practice nonviolent communication. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I remember doing this in middle school, even back in the 90s, you know? Yeah. And so... Maybe um, they didn't call it that, but that's, yeah, exactly what they were helping Yeah, you know, they, t- they talked about I statements a right. lot. It was a lot of I statements and owning your feelings. And so um, so I talked to people about what are the steps of nonviolent communication. I said, there's some, some things to get out of the way first. And Richard Rohr spends a lot of time on this first thing, which is that there is a myth of total disclosure. Yeah. You don't owe everybody every detail of everything you've ever done wrong. Nope. This way we have a step earlier in the process mm-hmm. where you can talk to somebody about that. It's not usually fair to make that person somebody who has been harmed by you. Right. It's usually fair to have that person be somebody outside of this so that they don't have to bear that burden for you. But you don't owe everything to everyone. Right. So when and we're talking not... about making amends, it's not coming up and doing that whole process that we did, that we we're talking about in, in step five. five. Right. We're not talking about doing that for every, you know, what we're talking about is having the conversation mm-hmm. about the specifics, like that, that tendency we have as humans to go um, when we're faced with hurt or pain to go, but, and you also did this and you also yeah, did yeah, this. Yeah. And well, what about, and, and you know, here's all com- the reasons it's not really my fault. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and this now, is what we're trying to avoid. We can go too much in the other direction. Most of our decisions are based on our character and our environment, right? Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. there's a two-way thing. But this is not about your environment at this point. This is about your character, mm-hmm. right? This is about how do you do this well because of who you are. And so what you want to remember, what you want to keep in mind when you're doing this kind of work is what does the other person actually need to hear? And what mm-hmm. do they have a right to hear? Yeah. Because telling everybody everything isn't helpful for them. And there is a time when you might notice that some people who think that they care about your healing might just have some morbid curiosity about the details of your life. Right. And well, morbid curiosity doesn't help anybody. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So um, so, those are, so those are the things that we kind of started with. And well, then we kind of broke it down into four parts. Right. One thing I want to, I want that I mentioned to my folks before we got into the the actual meat of this is, is also to take stock of where you're placing yourself in the story, mm-hmm. because I think we have this tendency. It happens in all the many of the stories we tell one another about our lives, right? But also when we read stories and relate to them, like Jesus's parables, yeah, for example or any of the stories that I mentioned a few minutes ago, we tend to put ourselves in sort of... The place of the hero. The place of the hero, right? Or the so, victim. Or the victim. But so, very rarely the bad guy. Right. So like Richard Rohr really has been using the prodigal son. Oh, right? yeah. And how often when we hear that story, do we, we put ourselves in the place of the prodigal son? Yeah. When really, oftentimes, we're more like... The self-righteous older brother. The self-righteous older brother. Yeah. Or one of the servants who's watching this go down, and it actually has nothing to do with us. Yeah. I really hope people get the idea that, you know, you are the one making amends, but it may not be all about you. And it probably yeah. isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So so the, the four steps that I shared with my congregation are these. They're observations, feelings, needs, and requests. Mm-hmm. So we start with the context, the observations. 
and what this might look like in a sentence is when I mm-hmm. or when you, mm-hmm. right? So when I, um, and the example I used was everybody's had this at some point or another, whether it was welcome or not. You go to a party, you go to a friend's house, and there's somebody there who's, you know, made a bunch of food and there's something that's left over and they're like, no, no, take it. Mm-hmm. And you're full. You don't want any more food. Maybe you're trying to watch your diet, whatever. You don't and they need just, it at home. So at, uh, in Weight Watchers, they call it food pushers. Mm-hmm. So food pushers who are out of, out of deep love for you and care for you, trying to express that love and care through food. And they just push it on you, even if you don't want it, even if you know it's not going to help you. Yeah. And so how do you lovingly, graciously respond to that? Right. Right. So how do you state your needs in a way that doesn't cause harm so so in that case so you're not saying oh you're being such a jerk for trying to feed me yeah stop it yeah you don't have to like blow up at anybody nobody's trying to do anything wrong here right the the tip that i have for people is make it an i statement not a you statement Mm -hmm. so when i Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be negative right it can be when i eat healthy right or when i stop eating when i'm full Mm -hmm. right like that's the context the content big picture is i want to eat healthy right so when i eat healthy and then the feelings, mm-hmm. I feel better about myself. I feel more confident. I feel more, I have more energy, right? There's lots of ways that you can go right. with that. But but context, when I, and then feeling, I feel. Right. And then we move into the needs, right? And this is, this is the undergirding value that you have. Mm-hmm. So because, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when I eat healthy, I feel more energetic. Right. I feel better about myself. I feel more confident. Because I need to be careful mm-hmm. about what I eat because right. I need to care for my body because I need to pay attention to right. what I need versus what I want, right? So it's all I. I'm claiming my stuff. Right. And then we get into the request. And the request is always a request for somebody who would be willing, mm-hmm. right? So would you be willing to, and then as concrete and specific and direct as you can, right? You know, um, so say you have, like, say you go home for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and you have an auntie that always makes the best butter rolls in the world. Right. And there's a couple left over and she knows they're your favorite. She's pushing these on you or whatever. Right. You can say, you know, would you be willing to, to to not do that? Or would you be willing to stock some healthy snacks for me? Because mm-hmm. uh, I love, I love to snack as much yeah. as everybody else, but I can't keep eating the butter rolls, Right. Right. And so, and then it's not a judgment on them. It's me saying, I need this for myself. Right. Would you be willing to? And then it works the same way. If somebody shares this with you in a slightly more disorganized way, because we don't always follow a four point plan. Really? You can sort through it in the same way. So if Susan was to say something like this to me, mm-hmm. I might say, you know, when you come over to my house and I don't have any healthy snacks, you feel left out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You feel isolated. You feel judged because, you know, you have this plan for a healthy life. And so would you like it if I, and then something concrete, right? Would you like it if I stocked some, you know, some healthy snacks? Or would you like it if I paid more attention to vegetarian options or whatever that is? So whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's um, the way that you talk Mm -hmm. to people or about people, there's concrete things that we can do that would help just a little bit, right? Yeah. To make it a little easier for the people around us. So do you have any examples of this, Susan? Have you ever used this tool before? It's maybe not as concrete an example as like the food pushing one. When you're you're in conflict with somebody, mm-hmm. 
And and you seem to be talking past each other. Yeah. It's a tool. It, it helps you if you you pause and you claim your stuff. Yeah. We all have those moments where we all, we jump both feet in and we get all hubba bubba about it, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's taking the time to say, wait a sec. This is what is mine. Yeah. And I'm feeling, I'm observing that we're not... Here's a perfect example. So, so say you're in conflict with somebody and you, um, and maybe it's at work, right? Where you, you're talking past each other. You're in that cycle where you're thinking about your response. What, what did I not say that they didn't hear? hear. What did they say, say that, that I, I didn't, didn't hear, hear that's making all of this not make sense? Right? So it's that ability. Then, then this gives us the tool to calm down and say, what I'm experiencing is this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and you can also, it can also help you understand those little, those little things that set us off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Ben and I used this a lot when we were dating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there were moments when we would realize that, you know, one, one or the other of us was getting upset about something and he's, you know, he's had his share of therapy and I've learned this since middle school. And so there were moments when we would just kind of stop talking for a minute mm-hmm. and then somebody would go, okay, I realize that I'm reacting in this way because, because. right? And so right. here is here is something that would help me. And sometimes what we have to we have to do this because what we're doing is taking some experience from our past and bringing it into the current conversation. Mm-hmm. We're conflating two situations we're called projection. Projection. Yeah. And when we pause and own our stuff, we can overcome that. And the other thing I told a young adult recently, I was talking to you about how to do this kind of work in mm-hmm. their relationship. Is if somebody says, would you be willing to, mm-hmm. you don't have to say yes. Yes. You know, if somebody says, <laughs> here are the things, here are the five things I think you need to do to fix this. You can say, you know what? Let me think about that. Right. We also get in trouble in conflict when we try to rush a conclusion. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. okay to say, you know, I hear you mm-hmm. and I care about you and I want you to feel happy and I want you to feel safe and I want you to feel loved and I need to think about what you said so I can evaluate my own behavior and see how I can how I can respond in a loving way. Right. And and when we're talking about a men's work, that's mm-hmm. really important because that comes back to the just because you're ready to do it mm-hmm. doesn't mean the other person's ready to receive it or hear it or know it. And sometimes we have limited vision of what other people's experience is like. Right. So we can say, oh, here's the five things you need to do. And we don't know the other things that are going mm-hmm. on in their lives that make that difficult. Mm-hmm. So it's not an excuse, but it's a chance to say, okay, here are some things I think might be helpful for me. Mm-hmm. But what's, what do you think might be helpful for this right. interaction to find some breathing room, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's important too. So we went through, I don't know three or four examples of mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. to, how to have those conversations. And, uh, I was amazed at how many people had an appointment with me last week or, or followed up with me by text or email and said, man, I'm in the middle of having one of these conversations right now and I need some help. Yeah. And it's okay to ask for help too. Yeah. But, um, what's important for us in this step is to say, because we think that our relationships with others are just as important as our relationship with God, Exactly. We want to make sure that we're taking care, that we're tending those relationships. Of course, the other danger is the people around you might be just as dysfunctional mm-hmm. <laughs> as you imagine they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's important not just to to kind of constantly give way, but also to be able to express your own needs in the midst of that. Right. And if other people can't allow for that, to be able to give yourself the space so mm-hmm. that you don't find yourself in a compromising position and fallen back down the hill again. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So 
Very good. So thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have stories for us or anything that you'd like to share, you can reach us at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can comment on our Facebook page or on our website, sundaymorningsleepin.com. Every entry has a place for comments, but uh, you'll be able to see the entire archive there. The scriptures will be posted up on sundaymorningsleepin.com under this episode. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. And so at the end of every service and at the end of this podcast, it's become our tradition to give you a blessing, give you homework, however you want to look at it. Today, I think about the reality that you, that I want you to have is, is that, that this is good work and this is important work and that God calls you to this work, not to torture you, mm-hmm. but to bring you to wholeness. Yes. And so I, what I ask for you and I pray for you is wholeness. And even if you have to do the hard work to get there. Amen. Amen.